I was not here last week when Joe kicked it all off. Uh, uh, was you know just obviously with a smaller group and with a niche class for parents of sixth graders with confirmation coming up. This is very much a um, intended to be sort of a conversational class, much more than me sort of you know lecturing anything like that. Um, so with that in mind, was everybody here last week? Some of y'all here last week? You know, kind of where it was. So not putting anybody on the spot, so I'll judiciously try to avoid eye contact. Except I'll look at Todd because he's a safe person to look at. What? Where, 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 where did where did Joe go last week? Kind of catch me up. I was I was not here, um, so I can know kind of what jumping in points or jumping off points to make as we continue today. Any thoughts? I know it's putting a lot of people on the spot. It's like oh, I don't know. I was here and it was it was good, but. Uh, Okay. Okay. Okay, that's very helpful. Um, so the role of the church, the role of parents, that parents are the primary uh, teachers, witnesses, disciplers, the primary proclaimers of what the gospel of God is in the formation of our children, that we don't outsource that uh, to the church, but that some church is certainly there to help us Help our children to be a part of it, but it, it falls primarily to us. That's good. Absolutely. Sort of, it's a, the process that you know we can. I'm going to jump in there a lot today. I'm going to try to give us a lot of freedom to fail, um, to be good enough parents um, that we don't have to sort of master it before we can then go back in and start. I'm going to erase that idea completely. So that's very helpful. Anything else? Just kind of beginning. Started with that video of momism by Nina Rempro, where she has a song to William Tell's Overture for. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. Kind of Pack your bags, get ready for school. I haven't seen that in a long time. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, let me pray. We'll just jump in and see where we go. Lord, thank you for this day, um, for the privilege of being parents of, uh, of teenagers or almost teenagers. Uh, be with us now and open your word and uh, uh, your world to us so that we have the ears to see, the ears to hear and the eyes to see that which you've prepared and which would be helpful to us, to our children, and to all whom we love. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I do hope, I mean, broadly, I'm going to try to really mark our time because uh, I can get going and really, you know, go down rabbit trails with the best of them. Um, I want to leave time at the end for a lot of questions and responses. Better, just interrupt me. Just, you know, buzz in. Um, say, hey, wait, let me, uh, I think I see where you're going. Let me just ask you a practical question, jumping off of that. I actually prefer that anyway, because um, I have a little bit. I'm going to read a text, a very short text, talk a little bit about what, um, uh, what the good news for really worn out parents and worn out children is, 
sort of conceptually and try to begin to bring that down sort of a, uh, into our common lives. Um, can say a little bit just about sort of where kids are um, uh, at this age, kind of 11 years old, 12 years old, coming into uh, uh, what you would call early adolescence and what that means, a little bit of developmental overview. You can look at that. It's sometimes really helpful for people to kind of, you know, uh, ground themselves in that. That's the thing I can help with. And then, um, and then just look at maybe some uh, some concrete situations. Um, you know, my daughter uh, just didn't make cheerleading, and she's you know mad at me, mad at the world, crying, doesn't want to go to school, saying really off the wall stuff. How am I a Christian, quote unquote, parent? in this moment. What's my text? You know, that kind of stuff. So we can look at that too. That's my hope. But again, sort of raise your hand because that's an audacious hope in in 25 minutes. Um, Short text today. uh, As Jesus was on the cross right before he died from the Gospel of John. John chapter 19, verse 30. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it's so short, I'll read it again. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. The last word of Christ on the cross. And I think it is the word for people who are tired, worn out, exhausted, who always have an expectation placed upon them, whether it's internal or external, to you know, do more, be more you know, produce more, progress more, do something else. To have the word, it is finished, given to them, is good news. Um, I'm going to extend it so far to say, you know, think both in, in your life, in my life, but also in the lives of our children, where are they at any given point during any given moment, in a week, in a month, in a year, where they hear the word, it is finished? I dare say they're, you're gonna have, we're going to have a hard time coming up with one. If they go to school, it's not finished. You know, They're in the middle of a track, and they've got to get into this math class so they can get into calculus one day, so they can go to a good college, so they can get into a grad school, so they can make a lot of money, so they can do this and do that, do this, do that. The last thing in the world from anything like it is finished um, with friends, with, 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 uh, with manners, with habits, with clothes, with anything else, it's always something else. Something else is expected to them. So it is finished as a word, is good news for worn out, exhausted, tired parents. Think of our language. If I went up to any one of y'all or if you came up to me and I said, hey, Gil, how's it going? What am I probably going to say? What's our most common answer these days? Fine. And they say, really, how's your week going? So, oh, I'm busy. Got a lot going on. Things are good. So, which is true. But it's exhibit A to the opposite of it is finished. Busy, lots going on, tired, stressed, got this going, this going, this going. Supposed to be here at the same time as this, that, and the other. And we got all of our kids involved in one thing. And this is the worst time of year as well because you've got you know five sports, all your schoolwork, you know, trying to keep up with spring fever, trying to keep them plugged in. Everything's going. It's the opposite. It's the anti. It is finished. Um, the, the it is busy. It's true, but it's also indicative of our heart. 
that we at one level or another are addicted to this um, need to justify myself. I'm justifying my existence, my time by saying I'm doing all of this. You know, aren't I being a good parent? Um, they're doing all this. Aren't I being a good parent? Um, we want to look at that developmentally in a moment and think, you know, that's not really where they are in terms of, of their developmental um, place. Um, give you a teaser for that. At about age 11, 12, 13, 14, right when they're coming into puberty, early adolescence, adolescence right now, is uh, and, the, and the, um, the insurance companies have known this for literally 50 years. When, do, when, 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 does, when does your insurance go down as a man? Age 25. Why? Because something called myelination stops and your prefrontal cortex finally forms prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain up here in the front, which does things like make good decisions, exercise judgment, um, uh, moderates impulsivity, um, able to have forethought, uh, some, some, some empathy comes into play. And that's not done, especially in boys, until the mid-20s. That's when adolescence ends, what we now call, a little bit better, call it emerging adulthood, just because you don't want to offend a bunch of college students by calling them adolescents, which they've been called since they were in fifth grade. Um, adolescence goes anywhere from age 11 to 25 or 26, so it's a key time in life. Early adolescence, they have the mind of a child. The brain is still, there's really no discernible difference uh, at about age 12 from when they're about nine. The brain hasn't started to change yet. The brain really starts to change at about age 14 or 15 in some, some ways that I really can't understand, I can't explain. Uh, uh, but their bodies are changing, obviously. You know, all the hormones are coming out and their bodies are changing. They're starting to look like adults, some more than others, uh, but they have the mind of a child. And so we're dressing them in $200 jeans and, you know, makeup and earrings and and what do they just and they go outside and they play and they get them dirty because they're still children but they look like adults and we are going to bear some of that responsibility in sort of this transition time so that's kind of where we're going and putting them in this place where we're just tired we're exhausted people um, a few things that I came up with with this this false belief um, to justify our busyness of being exhausted people um, we're exhausted in all the ways that we think we have to position our children to be in a place where one day they can make a choice for themselves to succeed, to go into baseball or ballet or you know, advanced math or, or college or whatever. Um, uh, this false belief that I think I have to do this for my children. Now, it's a half-truth. To a certain extent, I do, but if... If this word, it is finished, is right, uh, there is a place for the living God to actually come in and provide some rest for those who are weary and heavy laden and worn out and exhausted. Kids and parents both, we can check it in and say, you know what? I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. You know, God's going to do something here. Um, I know he's not going to get a scholarship in soccer, but I just want to have all the opportunities possible. But he really likes it. She says that she really wants to do all these things. 
If I don't make sure that she does her homework, she won't make advanced math, which means she'll never leave the house until she's 39. And um, I have to do this because everyone else is doing it. I um, heard this the other day. Meme told me, in fact. It's a great little throwaway line for parents. Um, it's like, tell me why you think you're ready for a phone, for instance. Well, because everybody else, uh, you're going to have to come up with a better answer than that. Um, that's a good line. Yeah, you're going to have to come up. You're going to have to have a more creative answer than because everyone else. Um, that's a good line. Kids can take that one. They can grab onto it and, and let them begin to push in um, to at least lie to you with some you know, authority <laughs> that it's more than because everyone else. Um, that's, a, that's a good throwaway line. Um, I'm just doing this because I don't know why. I think that's really why a lot of what we're doing with our children is because we don't really know why. We're just caught in this stream, and it's just happening. In a class like this, it's just a small respite. It's 20 minutes to begin to turn the, uh, the dial three degrees and say, yes, I really don't know why I feel so pressured to make sure that she does blank or that he is thus and such. Um, I don't know why. And then you begin to ask, why am I feeling so under the gun? Why am I feeling so uh, so squeezed in this way? Um, and that pulls in this word here. It is finished. Be the parent that lives beneath the banner of it is finished. Um, last word on this, and then we'll, we'll keep um, I'll keep some time. If that feels like a church answer. Uh, as I was thinking about this yesterday, my word was good. <laughs> because it's going back to my question a minute ago, where else is there any place in life for us or for them uh, where you can come and be accepted and have a place where it's okay not to be okay, where there's not this sense of compulsion to have to do more, to be more, to be something else? Except church, if, if the Advent, this particular church, which is one of its real emphases, by the way, if this is the only place in life where you hear that word, where your children hear that word, and this is, this is reason enough to fight the battle next year for their involvement in our youth ministry with Cameron and with, with Sarah and with their great team of volunteers, is uh, they get this word steadily in their life, you know, Hey, just come. Just come. We're not going to get hung up on numbers. We're not going to get hung up on production. We're not going to make you do it. We're just going to say, I'm glad you're here. Uh, when you were expecting 30 kids at youth group and 15 show up, what's the first thing out of your mouth? Where is everybody? And the kids that are there are like, well, I guess I wasn't quite what I thought I was. Um, I, thought, I thought I was enough. Our ministry does a good job at saying, I'm glad you're here. This is enough. This is the right group of people here. We're not disappointed that you came and your ten friends did not. We're, we're here. It is enough. It is finished. Um, if this is a church answer, I just want to say good. You know, Because where else do any of us get a sense of, of uh, whatever is expected of me is for at least a period of time suspended um, where I am just... It's okay not to be okay. Um, that it's 
that I can be an imperfect parent, that I can show up and have good news given to me. So I'm going to hit pause there. Any thoughts or comments? We'll make a quick turn to, um, to some developmental stuff. But that's going to be it. That's going to be the tension between it is finished and what I hope is going on in your head of that's good. I see where you're going. And I actually do believe that. But there's still homework. <laughs> but there's still this expectation that the school has that it's not done yet that my child needs to, to, to do her, her homework. Um, uh, I get that. There's going to be tension. Not trying to erase the tension. Trying to provide some place of, of, a, of a word to take root. Any, any thoughts there? It is finished. When Jesus breathed his last and spoke, it is finished, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Any thoughts? Yeah. And that's how I look at it. I mean, I, I can take a break from all that and take a deep breath every Sunday and just get away from it all. I mean, I mean, it's a lot more than that. But I, I yep. always know I yep. have peace from everything. Yep. So it's a rest up to me. And so I'm going to try to have my son look at you. For, you know, and it's, I've been talking to a friend. That, you know, they always have this pressure of circles at school. They have their groups, their clicks, and they, they have the groups that they are welcome in and the groups that they're not. And there's kids within the church group that are in their cliques and there's kids in the church group that are that are not in the sure. cliques. When they come here they're they welcome each other and they're all one. Yeah. And that is a respite to them too yep. because they're all they come together and they get along when they're here. Yeah. And they're they're a group they're as they're one. They're one they're, here. They're one here. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing too. And they they're learning that and they're recognizing like yep. When they went to camp, that's right. They came together as one. And, yep. And that's the goal, I think, for them to stay like that for the whole thing. So I, I, I think that's a that's important. It's an it is finished aspect of their life where I can come here and breathe, just like you're just good. Anyone else? Thank you. Some developmental stuff, would that be help, helpful? And then we'll get to some, some maybe some concrete situations y'all can feed to me and we can see where we go. And by the way, this seat, you know, with me up here, you know, out there, uh, so I'm dead, you know, I've got a fifth grader and a fourth grader, so we're coming right into this uh, m- more than ever. As I've been talking to parents about how to parent since I was 21 years old. It's really funny. Um, uh, more than ever, I'm talking to myself. You know, this is me talking to me. I'm out there, somewhere right there, and I'm coming right there. Um, developmentally, early adolescence. I'll go through this quickly. Um, we, as parents, the early adolescence, again, 11 to 14 years old, very broadly, but but um, I would say the exceptions are truly exceptional. This isn't sort of like a 55-45 split. This is most kids, um, well well beneath the bell curve. Um, uh, parents are still in charge of the environment. They need that, in fact. This is a developmental need. Um, uh, parents are still in charge, are still in control of the environment. Our kids will often verbalize the opposite. They'll say they want more independence and freedom. 
they're importantly trying to move away, and that's something that they've got to begin to do. Um, their developmental task, so to speak, speaking from you know psychological language, their developmental task is to develop independence. But from that, they need what's called a secure base. That's one way to think of it, the rock that doesn't move, the fixed point. Um, we are in charge of their environment. We're still saying what you, what you do, um, uh, the, the commitments that you make, et cetera, and so forth. Um, is that parenting this from some chap Clark, a guy who wrote Hurt, Hurt 2.0. Um, it's a good book. Uh, example he gave, um, say a 12-year-old boy and you're, a, you know, one of your sons and they're out there and, you know, they're just glad that they've got two shoes on their feet because they're so forgetful at this age. Um, and you say, hey, your coach called and they want you to be on the, the, the traveling basketball team. He's like, huh? He's like, the basketball team. Oh, okay, okay. And then three months later, he's like, I'm really tired. I don't, I don't want to go. I mean, he's like, you've got to go. You made a commitment and you were going to see this through because that's what the crackies do. And we never give. What? I don't. Commitment? When did I do that? That's tension right there. Something that we as parents should, should, should pause and think, to what extent did my child make this commitment? And to what extent did I make this commitment for them? For good reasons. Maybe some ulterior motives also. Getting that all sort of above the table, good to be thinking about that. Developmentally, we're still in charge of their environment. We're still very influential in what they do, don't do, to a lesser extent than when they're, say, you know, certainly when they're two, six, ten, uh, who they're with, who they're not with. That's changing a lot when you get into middle school, obviously. Um, uh, middle school is not the best structure for 11 to 14-year-olds, by the way, but it's what we got. Um, We've got to live with it. Uh, 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 we're still in charge of their environment. They've got three important questions that they're trying to answer in these, these very crucial years. In some ways, it's almost the same way. If you can remember back when they were about two years old, when they hit puberty, it's like Etch-a-Sketch happened, and they're going all the way back to just when they were starting to be toddlers. Uh, they're trying to answer the question of identity. Who am I? Belonging. Does anybody care? And autonomy. What kind of power do I have? And how does it influence my world? They're trying to answer three questions. Identity. Who am I? Autonomy. What kind of power do I have? And how does it impact my world? and belonging. Does anybody care? It's a lot like a toddler. What's a toddler doing? You're sitting there saying, don't, don't, don't put that in your mouth. That's bad, 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 you know. Autonomy. They're learning when I put this in there and that gets a reaction from mom and what's good and bad. What do we do with 14-year-olds? You did what? You stuck what up your nose? Why would you do that? Why would you? you know, I don't know. You know. Um, or they're even starting to, you know, some of them experiment with drinking or smoking or pot or, you know, you know, Crushing Ritalin, trading ads, you know, that's all starting to happen. These questions, who am I? Where do I belong? Does anybody care? What kind of power do I have? And how does it impact my environment? Those things are happening, whether we know it or not, whether we're choosing to enter into that conversation and shape those questions, those answers, those things are happening. That's their developmental Stage. Those are their needs and their tasks that are before them. They're answering those questions, and they've got a lot of verbs and nouns coming at them to answer those questions. We want to be a part of that conversation. 
it's a word that I have from parents who are doing the, the sex stuff. Uh, they hear about sex, drugs, rock and roll all the time. Do you want to be a part of that? You know, do you want to help shape that conversation? Know this, you have disproportionate power, disproportionate influence in their life, whether they say it or not, whether you think it or not. You still do. You're still, they're still, remember, a child in their minds and an adult in their bodies. They still need that security, that dependence. Where do I belong? Firstly, I belong to my family. I belong to my mom. I belong to my dad. I'm a part of them. They're for me. They're not against me. I may say all this, but I actually know that they're for me and they're not against me. So identity, autonomy, belonging. Um, i got to move quick. Um, some real sort of short. Is this helpful? Ask a question. Raise your hand. Say, okay, i got a question about that. So that would help me because otherwise I'm just going to prattle on. Um, uh, then what do they need? How do we begin to help shape those questions? Autonomy, belonging, and um, uh, identity. This age, much like a toddler, uh, Consistency, uh, stability, security. Um, as they're asking those questions, as they go into to, to middle school, which I made an offhand comment earlier, not great for them because it's not a very safe place. It's not a great place to answer those questions. Uh, they really want to come home and have a place where they can pop off, you know, let off a lot of steam, and it's going to be okay. So, so words, phrases like, don't pick up the first uh, bluster. How was your school? Ugh! Let that one go sometimes. You know, you have to don't talk to your dad that way. That may not always be the right answer. It's not respectful, but it may not be the best answer every single time. Just because they've just sort of, you know, built up, you know, 6,000 PSI all day and haven't been able to groan yet. Let them groan. It's like, hard day, huh? That's entering into their world. Stopping laying our agendas aside, listening, entering into their world. How was your day? All right, we can come back to it. Um, hard day, I'll bet. Sounds like it was tough. Um, not, you know, ah, you should hear my day. You think you got problems? You know, that doesn't help. Um, stop, lay your agenda aside, listen, enter their world. Um, again, Chap Clark helped me with this. Think of the questions that we ask. And this is definitely me talking to that guy, which looks a lot like me in the back row. Think of the questions that we ask. Us. How come you did that? Um, did you finish your homework? Have you brushed your teeth? When are you gonna... What are we doing? We're not listening. That's all really sort of a, at, at the full extent, that's shaming. That's just sort of saying, I haven't done this, I haven't done this. It's the opposite of it is finished. Just a steady barrage of all that. Now, again, that's important. But if that's all they're hearing from us, not good. And the last throwaway, and then I'm going to look for some questions. I'm going to make you interact uh, for the last few minutes. Um, eye contact, statistics, evidence-based studies, lots consistently show. When do, do, do junior high students, middle school students, when do they say adults make eye contact with them? Disproportionately. What's their answer? When I'm in trouble. 
think about that. When is the only time, I don't know why I'm crying, when is the only time an adult stops, lays their agenda aside, and enters into my world? It's when they want to rip me a new one. It's when I'm, I'm not pleasing to them, when I'm not enough, when the last thing they're communicating to me is that it is finished and there's rest. So just a small walkout. But could be, could be, I mean, I don't know. The Holy Spirit will have to do this, but it could change your relationship with your kid. You know, what am, what am I bad at? What am I been working recently? Where's our eyes? No, oh, that's neat. Oh, sweetheart, I'm so happy for you. That's great, you know. Tell me that again. Wow. You know, make eye contact somewhere, once a week, somewhere with them besides when they're in trouble. That kind of thing. Stop, lay your agenda aside, enter their world, listen. What is that doing? Helping to shape identity. Who am I? I'm loved by him. I'm loved by my mom, loved by my dad. Autonomy, what kind of power do I have? A lot. You know, I've got her attention, and she's giving me grace. They don't know that word yet, but that's what they're, that's what they're experiencing. Uh, and belonging. Is anybody for me? Right there. Um, what does that communicate? It is finished. That's gospel parenting. Lee Fitzpatrick's good question. She was a preacher here a few weeks ago. What does it mean to be a Christian parent? What does that adjective mean? Um, a parent that is an it-is-finished parent is a good way to describe, I think, a Christian parent. That somewhere, the tension of, the, the truth of this with the tension of this, that we still have homework and commitments to a team and you know, looking to college or whatever else we're looking towards, but we're an it-is-finished parent. So we got some minutes. Um, what would be helpful here? Interact with any of those thoughts. You do a role play or two. A hypothetical situation. I have a friend who's got a child about my children's age, in fact. And um, so what, what would be helpful? Power of apology comes to mind. Um, apologies don't have a but after it. I am sorry, but I had every right to da 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 da. da so you know, I know I blew my top and I shouldn't talk that way. But you've got to understand how um, it's an apology. You know, there's a lot to be said about this, uh, but you were right. I really blew it, and I'm sorry. I lost it. Um, I know that what the Lord wants for me is to to have a little bit better response to you. 
Um, and I'm really praying about that. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry I lost it with you back there. And then walk away. Less is always more. When we get their attention, what are we tempted to do? Oh, I got their attention. Let me just <laughs> download. Let me put everything on the table. You know, finally, you know, it's been a hundred hours since you last listened to me. So let me just tell you everything. I'm stop. Less is more. Make a deposit and walk away. Um, they will hear it. It does go in. It's red marked, learned, and inwardly digested. So the power of apology. Um, does that help? More? Or, yeah, other questions? Um, difference between accountability and... Nah, it's not, eh, nah not going to go there. Um, power apology. Be willing. It's, it's actually, it's not a, it's a very powerful position. In a marriage, I do a lot of marriage work, do more marriage work than anything else. It's a very powerful position, apology, when it's done well. It's without a but, without an, 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 an ulterior motive. Works great with children, too, especially as they're entering this age. Appropriate apologies. Uh, it's a very powerful position. You're not giving up power. You're not conceding power, and you're not going to sort of take it and say, ooh, good, I got my dad where I want him, because now that he's sorry, I can leverage that. That's not the way it actually goes in practice most of the time. Uh, most of the time, it is really displacing and after that displacement occurs, there's some softening. There's some intimacy which occurs. There's a bonding. Going back to those questions, identity, belonging, autonomy, a lot of power. There's a me-you thing here, which is really important. What do we want for our adolescence? I want them to leave. <laughs> I want them to go away. I want them to get married. I want them to be good citizens. I want them to, to know and be known by God. That's the sort of thing that helps us get there. Um, power of apology. Anything else? Maybe one more? If not, that's fine. Any questions about confirmation? The practical level. Then I'm going to wrap this up. Lord be with y'all. This is um, it's it's hard. There's a lot, lot out there, but it's a parting shot. I say this a lot. Um, we as parents, and again, I'm back there talking to myself. We are not called to play defense. We cannot defend our children from all the evils that are out there. Um, People ask me, sometimes in all sincerity, you know, is, is the world ending? Because it's getting a lot worse. I got a lot to say. The first family didn't end so well either. You know, Cain and Abel. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a walk in the park, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it's been bad for a long time. But the culture is changing quickly, very, very, very quickly. More so change than when we were children. That's, that's, that's just an observable fact. But we're not called to play defense. We can't catch every single arrow as we're standing there as the proverbial uh, you know, umbrella parent. We can't catch the technology and the bad people and friends and bullying and you know the van parked outside and you know the pressures they feel about making the you know we can't catch every single arrow. Um, we can go on offense and develop 
that relationship of stopping, setting my agenda aside, entering their world and listening to influence their identity, their autonomy, and their sense of belonging. And then from that, as they go into the world of junior high, where else is there such judgment than in the world of a junior high school? I mean, it is pervasive that it's not going to be painless for most. There's about one in 20 people actually enjoy junior high. I think that's a true statement. Maybe your child is one of them. Um, but for the rest of us, uh, that that touch base, that, that touching base of that 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 my, my mom and dad aren't playing offense, uh, playing defense, but they have a good offense with me. Um, that's what's going to carry him forward, not the umbrella. So, so with that word, let's pray. Be with us, Lord. Um, help, us, uh, help us to see the good news for ourselves, that it is finished. That is news is a word sorely needed for us who are tired. Um, we can be free to fail. We can be imperfect parents. We don't have to have all the answers. We can engage our children in a real way uh, to, to shape them, to influence your, uh, to influence them, for the, for, which, is, which is your work being done in your way in each of our children. Um, Lord, take this time so humbly and feebly offered and multiply it by your grace that, uh, that our children would be, um, in fact, not our children, but yours. Um, that we would see ourselves properly as simply the stewards of the gift that you've given us to, to be their parent. Lord, we pray this, we in fact beg this in Jesus' name. Amen.